0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. So I know some of y'all were, have been a part of that. Maybe some of you gave financially uh, for the project and, and um, such a deep part of our community, uh, the Tri-County, and, and just uh, this, this community is so supportive of one another. And so wanted you to see that. As a way of showing appreciation to those of you that uh, were able to be a part of that and just kind of let you know what's going on. And just also to bring you up to speed right now, even as we are in church today, Brad is back in the hospital, uh, went into the hospital yesterday um, and is battling pneumonia and some other issues. And so, uh, got a lot. Of, he's already obviously got some uh, serious uh, things that he deals with every day. And then throw this on top, he's just battling through some stuff right now. So, I want us to pray for him and uh pray that he'll get through this and continue to pray for god's blessing y'all join me as we pray together so lord we just do uh, again come to you now god praying for brad and lord uh, thank you for your provision for him and for wyatt and for their their needs for this home and uh, god thank you for how you've done that folks have worked so hard to make that possible lord uh, People that were on this video but so many other people too involved lord in many ways to make it uh, make it become a reality and ultimately god you are the one that blessed all of that and led through all that we thank you for that and so god we do continue to pray for brad we intercede for him right now lord specifically with this uh, health uh, condition his sickness right now the pneumonia that he's battling lord uh, we ask again father that you would clear that up and that you would heal him father you are jehovah rapha the God who heals, and so we call out to you today to ask you that you would heal him and strengthen him and bless him, and God just restore him, uh, God, we trust you to do that, and thank you for hearing our prayers on his behalf this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, thanks so much. So you ever broken a promise? And that's a dumb question, we all have, uh, done something or said something that really disappointed somebody in your life, uh, caused, you know, caused some some pain in somebody 's life um, we 've all done that at different times and in different ways. you know sometimes the promise or that you the promise that you break doesn 't have real monumental consequences it's not it 's not the end of the world kind of deal I mean like you you promised to you know bring chips and dip for a party and you forgot and so you know there's no chip and dip at the party well that's not the end of the world or you promise you promise that you're going to get you're going to get pine straw to put in the front flower beds at your house and you you forgot it's not the end of the world it's not the end of the world i'm going to get the pine straw this week it's not the end of the world but and she's not here today because she's not feeling well so i i can say that she's probably watching i love you sweetie but anyway um you know, so sometimes those uh, those promises don't have just huge consequences. But man, then sometimes we can break some promises that, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, they can have some long-lasting uh, consequences and ramifications in our lives that can ripple on for quite some time. You know, maybe, maybe you made a promise years ago when you were a, you know, junior high or, you know, that you were going to, you're going to save yourself for marriage. And you're going to hold on to, you know, your promise of purity until you got married and you broke that promise. And so you kind of have to deal with that. That's not a, you know, unfortunately in our day and age, that ain't that big a deal, you know. It is a big deal. It's a huge deal to God. And we break that, you know, we and then we have to wrestle with that. Or you make, you know, you make the promise, stand before a preacher, and make a promise. I will keep myself only unto you as long as we both shall live. And you break that promise. And then the ramifications and the consequences of that, of breaking that promise, can really have some devastating effects. You know, you you, you break a promise in your business or something like that. You get them, or you, you disappoint. You know, and something happens, you get involved in some, some kind of unethical business, something or another, and then things get turned upside down in your life financially and stuff like that. You know, that's what, you know what I'm talking about. And we, it happens. Every one of us, every one of us have done, and, and even in this room today, I guarantee you that in this room today and in that sanctuary this morning at 830, preach this same message. There's somebody here today. There's somebody over there I know because they talked to me after they came out of the service. And somebody here today that's living under a cloud of guilt, a cloud of regret. And the weight of that thing is because that, that broken promise just haunts your memory. Maybe it could, I mean, it may be, your memory may be last week. you broke. It's something that happened last week or it might be something in the last six months. It might be something that... A promise that you broke 15, 20 years ago, and you're still living with that, and it's just there all the time. And every one of us have experienced the sting of disappointment when, when somebody has broken a promise made to us. But then every one of us also have experienced the pain of regret when we were the ones who broke the promise. And, and it's just there, and that disappointment and that failure that we went through and that we're hanging on to and that we're struggling with now, it, it, that's, that's just part of what it means to live in this fallen, sinful world. We're going to make those things and I'm not and, and those things are going to happen. and we hope that they don't, but they do. And the deeper the love that we have for someone, the deeper that pain is when we break a promise to them or they break a promise to us. I mean, heck, man, if you don't care, if you don't care about somebody, you ain't too concerned about disappointing them. If you you don't care about them, you don't really have much love in your heart for that person, then you're not too worried about disappointing them or failing them. But man, when you truly love someone, when you truly love someone, the thought of failing them can almost be unbearable. Or the thought that you have failed them... Can just be almost overwhelming. And so we've been in this uh, sermon series called Behold the Lamb of God. And we've been in this before Easter, looking at the Gospel of John, some different passages in the Gospel of John. And really, the reason we've been doing this is because we've been focusing on Jesus. We're making much of Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about Him. So we've been talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God. And so we've been doing that and... You know, throughout the course of this series, we go all the way back to John chapter 1, and we talked about this Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So we talked about this Jesus, and this Jesus who shows us what to believe, and shows us where to walk, and shows us how to be saved. And so we started off talking about it and looking at Jesus, and then we've just been staying with Him all the way. And we, we, we looked at... Uh, how having a relationship with Jesus helps us to be like Andrew. You remember we talked about the disciple Andrew because Andrew brought people to Jesus. And so when you know Jesus, you want to bring people to Jesus. And we talked about the importance of that. We've, We've talked about how... You can have a life verse. Remember we talked about the life, having a life verse. Mine was John 3.30, and that was the verse that we, is John 3.30, and that was the verse we looked at that, that we He must increase, I must decrease. He must become greater, I must become less. And how having a life verse, whether it's John 3.30, or whatever verse you find is your life verse, can really help you to stay focused on Jesus and make Him the priority of your life. We've seen how Jesus will quench our spiritual thirst. We, we've seen how, how knowing that Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17 and that Jesus is praying for us now is a great source of encouragement to live our lives for Him. And then last week on Easter Sunday, we, we saw how the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus promises us victory in this life and in the life to come, if you know Christ, if you trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. So one of the points that I made last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday morning, you know, great, great day as we celebrated. The Lord had over 1,100 people here last week. Man, it's just praise God. It's so cool to be a part of another great day today. One of the points I made last week was that Jesus gives us victory over our failures. In this life, Jesus gives us victory over our failures. And so today, what we're going to do, that, because that is, that victory over failure, that is exactly what one of Jesus' mainmost disciples uh, needed to know and experience. That he could have victory over failure. And so today, what we're talking about is, do you need a second chance? That's the title of the message today. Do you need a second chance? So grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter twenty-one, the last chapter in the Gospel of John. John chapter twenty-one, where uh, I read the nineteen verses in uh, the first service, but I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna uh, cut out those first verses. We're gonna start in. Um, I listen, I, let me just give you. Let me just set it up for you. All right, so Jesus. Died on the cross, buried, rose again. So this is post-resurrection. This is before he goes back to heaven. And just a little bit after this, he's going to go back to heaven. So we're kind of in that time frame between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension back to the right hand of the throne of the Father, where he is right now interceding for you and me. And so that's, that's, so this, that's where we are. So uh, Peter and some of the other disciples, after Jesus' resurrection... They, they were, Remember, they were fishermen. When Jesus called them, said, come follow me, a lot of them were fishermen. So they went fishing. <laughs> After Jesus got, you know, died on the cross and rose from the grave, Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. And so some of the other guys said, okay, we'll go with you. So they went out and they went fishing, fished all night, didn't catch anything. Next morning, they're still out there on the lake, about 100 yards off from the shore there. And they look up and there's somebody standing on the shore. And the guy on the shore says, hey, hey, children, have you caught anything? No, I hadn't caught anything all night. Well, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Do, boom, catch 153 fish. Big fish, 153 of them. So John, who was in the boat, who wrote this, said, that's Jesus. <laughs> that's the Lord. And Peter, he had stripped off his clothes, working and stuff like that. Well, he put his clothes back on, put his cloak back on, jumped in the water, swam 100 yards, got to the shore to go. Go see Jesus. And so Jesus was sitting there, and he made a little fire, and he was, already, he was cooking breakfast for him. Yeah, come on, let's eat some breakfast. Isn't that just cool? I mean, it's just cool. And Jesus says, hey, bring some of the fish. Let's, let's cook some fish. Let's have some breakfast. Here's some bread. Come on, let's hang out. That's Jesus, y'all. And so then after that, after they had breakfast, look at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. So he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? So he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And then after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Y'all pray with me. So Lord, take these next few minutes, Father, as we continue to worship you and study your word. And speak to us now by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So, here we go. Um, Y'all yeah, remember a few years ago, there was a, a TV show, a reality show called The, the Biggest Loser. You remember that? And it was a story, it was a, it was a series What lasted a few seasons of these people who just lost these massive amounts of weight. Massive amounts of weight. And like one guy, I think the guy that lost the most, lost 264 pounds in, back in 20, the year 2010. Well, I will tell you this. if Peter could probably be the biggest loser as far as, as far as the disciples are concerned. I ain't talking about his weight. He was just a loser when it came to what he did. Because out of all of the disciples that Jesus called to follow him, Peter's failure, his broken promise, his disappointment is the most well-documented of any, of any of the disciples. I mean, his, his, his mess-up uh, was the most well-known, well-documented of all of the disciples' failure. Now, I know you, maybe you're thinking, well what, yeah, well, what about Judas? Well, Judas really wasn't a true disciple. So I'm talking about the ones who really said, I'm going to follow you, and then they followed him, and they, they, they stayed with him. So think about what Peter did. Think about some of his failures. It wasn't just the one we're going to focus on after Jesus uh, had been arrested. Back up from that a little bit. Remember, they're in the upper room, the Last Supper. So Jesus gathered his guys up to have this Last Supper with him. And, and this was before he went to the cross. And he told him, he had already told them, hey, guys, y'all need to get ready. we got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. And they were like, no, no, no. And especially Peter. And Peter was just like, no. And and so they're in the upper room, and and Jesus started washing their feet, which was a huge act of humility and 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 servanthood that Jesus did for them. The, the God with skin on was on his knees washing their nasty, grimy feet. So he came to Peter to wash his feet, and Peter said in John thirteen eight, "Lord, you'll never wash my feet." <laughs> and I mean he, was, he just kind of bowed up on Jesus. <coughs> he said no you're not going to you I can do this. And then and then he said to somebody, so Jesus said something about people that some of y'all were going y- y'all were all going to and it, y'all are all going to deny me and Peter said in Matthew 26:33 he said though they all fall away I will never fall away Lord. I'll never fall away from you. And then he said in Matthew 26:35 he said even if I must die with you I will never deny you. So then they left there, and they went out into the garden where Jesus got arrested, and they're about to drag him off. And so they came up; Judas came up, and kissed him on the cheek, and and said, "Here he is." And so they grabbed Jesus. Well, you know what Peter did, man? Peter was like a bunch of y'all, man. He grabbed that sword. You know, you'd be reaching, grabbing something that's you know somebody somebody's about to get hurt, and and but he grabbed his sword, and man, he took a swing at the nearest guy, at it, nearest guy to him, cut the ear off, the right ear of a guy named Malchus, which means that Peter was trying to take his head off, most likely, and the guy must have ducked. Maybe he had some quick reflexes, or maybe it was dark, and Peter just, his aim wasn't too good, but he took the guy's ear off. Well-intentioned, certainly. Something like we probably would, you mean you ain't taking him, you know, and but even in that, Jesus didn't go, man, go, where'd you go? Peter, man, he said, put your sword up. That's not, we ain't doing that. So he failed him there. Well intentioned, but still it was a moment of failure. And then you know the rest of the story. So they took Jesus off and had this mock trial going on with them beating on him and spitting on him and ripping his beard out and accusing him of being a blasphemer and all this kind of stuff. And so Peter's out there in the courtyard, skulking around, you know, trying to just see what's going on as so he's standing there beside this fire. And three times, you know, it happened three times. Somebody said, hey, wait, 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 wait. you one of his disciples, aren't you? No, no, nah, don't know the guy. Don't know him. Then somebody else walks up and says, wait. Man, you, your accent sounds, you, you sound like you're one of his disciples. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. And then this little servant girl, you know, she said, yeah, you are one of his disciples. Yeah, I know I've seen you with him. And then he started cussing and swearing and saying, no way. I don't know him. And then the rooster that crowed, the most awful crow in the world, crowed, like Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times and then the rooster's going to crow. Denied him three times, heard the rooster, turned and Jesus was looking at him. And Peter just lost it. Realized how bad he had blown it. And, began, and just began to weep bitterly and ran out into the darkness. That moment in Peter's life shows us what happens when you deny Jesus, which is what we do. You lose your joy. You think about it, Luke twenty-two sixty-two 62 says he, that Peter went out and wept bitterly. That means he wept with agony. That means he wept with with extreme mental anguish. Man, if you're sitting here today and you're clouded up by, by regret and guilt because you've broken some promises and messed some stuff up, I guarantee you, you can't get your mind to stop thinking about it. You try to go to bed at night and it comes up into your mind. You're driving down the road it's like, I want to stop thinking about this. And When you deny the Lord, you lose your joy, you lose your courage. Man, Peter had been so bold, man. You ain't... I ain't never going to fail you. I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. Even if I have to die, man, look at what happened. You lose your courage. You lose your direction. You just have to wonder, where did Peter go? When he ran out weeping bitterly, where did he have to go? I just have to believe he just didn't know where to go. You just find yourself there. You just want, you're just so lost when you have messed up so badly. And, and then you just lose your assurance. I mean, Peter, his, his very name meant Rock. And yet some little lowly servant girl just shattered him. And you just lose your assurance of who you are. That's what happens with these broken promises. But y'all listen to this. That is not the end of the story. And so today, for you here today, your story is not over. It's the application for this message is just one simple statement, and that is that Jesus offers us restoration when we have failed. So that means everybody in this room has the opportunity for restoration because everybody in this room has failed or will fail soon. So when we look at, all of us need a second chance. And at different times in our lives, we need that second chance. And when we look at how Jesus responded to Peter's failure, then we can see how he responds to us. First of all, he sought him out. Jesus sought him out. He went looking for him. Let's go back to last Sunday. Let's go back to Easter. Let's think about what happened after the resurrection. Jesus put in the tomb, rose from the grave. The women come to the tomb. There's an angel there, and the angel makes an announcement to them and says, He is not here. He is risen. And they like, oh, this is... And then, But then he gave them some instructions. The angel gave these women some instructions. They, the angel said to them, Now, go and tell his disciples and tell Peter. Do you hear that? The angel said to the ladies, said, Go tell his disciples, especially Peter. Make sure that Peter gets the message that Jesus is alive. You see, Peter's denial has separated him from the other disciples. There's there's no doubt that he had to wonder at some point, am I a traitor or am I a disciple? And knowing knowing human nature like we do, guarantee you that some of those disciples, after Peter denied Jesus, some of those disciples probably got off in a corner together drinking coffee. Can you believe what Peter did? We ain't letting him back in this group. Gossiped about him, probably shunned him. You know why I know that? It's because that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what happens to us sometimes. We fall down in some way. We disappoint some people in some ways. Your pastor will do that at some point. We break some promises and we let some people down. But then the next time we see them, they ignore us and they won't look our way. Sometimes even when you walk in this room, can I get a witness? Isn't that sad? even happens within... Because we're a bunch of disciples, right? Sometimes even we as disciples shun our brothers and sisters when they have failed us and when they have disappointed us, when they've broken some promises. But isn't it encouraging to know that when everybody else is looking away from us, Jesus is looking for us. Because He is. He is looking for us. He made sure that Peter got the message that he was alive. Listen, remember that angels are... God's messengers, they don't just come with some random message. It's not like the angel showed up at the tomb that morning, and the, to- the stone and Jesus comes out, and then they stand there and go, you know, reckon what we ought to tell the folks when they show up. What do you want, what do you want to tell them? I, I don't, you told them last time, you tell them. What? I don't know. No, they, they came because God gave them the message, and the message that God gave to them was go down there, Tell the people that Jesus is alive and make sure that Peter knows that in spite of his failures, Jesus is looking for him. That was the message that Jesus was looking for. So I want to tell you today, Jesus is looking for you. He is seeking you out. In your failure, in your moment of brokenness, in your broken promises, in your disappointment, the ways, I don't care how bad it is, I don't care how deep it is, I don't care how long ago it was, I don't care if it was this morning or 15 years from now, Jesus is looking for you. So he sought him out, and secondly, he spoke to him. He spoke to him. We're not exactly sure where, where Peter went after he denied Jesus. We know there's nothing in the Scriptures... It tells us where he went or what he did. But like most of us, he probably went into secluding, to hiding. He probably secluded himself from other people. Because after you've blown it so big time, the last thing you want to do is be around people. When you're disappointed, when you're embarrassed about what you did. When everybody knows you denied Jesus. When everybody knows how you messed that up. When everybody knows you broke that relationship up. When everybody knows that you did that, whatever it is. You fill in the blanks. The last thing you want to do is be around people. Because sin separates us from God and it separates us from people. You don't want to be around folks. But once again we see that in the lowest moment of Peter's life, listen to this y'all, in the lowest moment of his life, Jesus made a point to go meet with him and talk to him. And this is, before, this is before the beach meeting that we read about this morning. Listen to what the Word of God says. We don't know where it happened or how long the meeting happened or what was said, but Luke 24, 34 says, "...the Lord has really arisen and He appeared to Peter." Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 4 and 5, Jesus was buried, was raised to life three days, and He appeared to Peter and then to all the rest of the disciples. Jesus made a point after He was risen from the grave to go find Peter. In Peter's failure, Jesus sought him out and He had to talk to him. Don't you, Can you just imagine what Jesus said to him? I can tell you what I know He didn't say he he didn't he didn't publicly humiliate him he he didn't he didn't he, there wasn't any anger in his eyes toward Jesus uh, toward Peter he 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 didn't scold him he didn't berate him he didn't he didn't fuss at him he didn't bawl him out or, or rake him over the coals he just had to go talk to him so you need to hear that today He's seeking you out because he wants to talk to you. And he might just talk to you from a preacher that's standing behind a pulpit this morning. And then the last thing he did, he set him free. He set him free. That's what we read there in John 21, verses 15 through 17. Conversation. Think about that conversation that Jesus had with Peter there. Those those verses, 15, 16, and 17. Peter asked him a question. Jesus Jesus asked Peter a question. And the question was not, hey, do you know how bad you hurt me? Do you realize how big a failure you really are? Do you know how bad you blew it? Do you know how many people were hurt by your decision? Do you realize the consequences of your decision, Peter? Peter? He didn't ask any questions. He didn't say, Man, you better shape up or ship up. He didn't ask any questions, say anything. He didn't ask any questions. The, he asked him one question. He asked him one question. The question was, Do you love me? Asked him three times because he denied him three times. Asked him publicly because he denied him publicly. Asked him, I would venture to say, in, within earshot of the other disciples that were still hanging out over by the fire. You know why? Listen to this, y'all. Listen to this. i got to wrap this thing up. Listen. Jesus knew how he was about to use Peter in the days to come. If you go over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at the day of Pentecost. Jesus left, went back to heaven, ascended back to heaven, then did what he said he would do and sent the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us now. And when the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost, filled all the disciples with the Holy Spirit, And the first person that stood up and started preaching the Gospel after the Holy Spirit came was who? Peter. Because of this conversation. Because of this conversation that they had on the beach. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything so you know that I love you. And feed my sheep, tend my lambs, you feed my sheep. Jesus knew the plans, and he knew that those disciples over there were going to be a part of it too. But they needed to hear this conversation so they would know Peter's back. (laughs) Peter's back. And then Jesus, the last things he said to Peter was, Now come follow me. And y'all, that's exactly what Peter did. For the rest of his life, he followed Jesus. Never denied him again. Ended up being crucified upside down on a cross because he did not feel that he was worthy to be crucified in the same manner that his Savior was crucified. So gave his life for the one that he had denied. Talk about restoring you. So I want to say to you today, and I got a video to wrap this thing up. I want to say to you, I want to ask you a question. Who here today needs to be set free from your failure? You don't have to raise your hand. Jesus set Peter free. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. All right, you go follow me. You come follow me now. You go serve me. You're free now. You're free from your failure. You're free from the disappointment. You're free from the broken promise. You come follow me. You serve me now. Who here today needs to be set free from your failure? Who here today needs to simply tell Jesus, Jesus, I love you, and I will obey you? Who here today needs to be set free to serve the Lord for the rest of your life? Because, y'all, that is exactly what He wants to do in your life today. So you need to know that you are not your failure. You are not your failure. That is not your identity. The enemy wants you to believe that you that that is your identity, but it ain't. If you know Christ, then your identity is found in him. And all the things that were said there about you are the same things that were said about Peter. Those were all true of Peter. He messed up so badly. And yet God restored him, restored his identity. Restored his purpose in life, restored his direction in life, restored his, his, his service in life. And so I want you to know that you are not your failure. So whatever that is for you, whatever that means for you, know that God loves you, that Jesus is speaking to you, and he wants to set you free today from whatever failure continues to haunt you. Whatever broken promise Continues to weigh you down, you can be set free from it today. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy. That's God's love for you today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, Father, we help us today during these moments of invitation, Lord, and God to do whatever it is that we need to do, Father, to be made right with you, God. Lord, I do pray for anybody in this room today, God, that's just been weighed down. Uh, with failure, with broken promises, with disappointment. And Lord, the enemy has been doing a number in their life, and it's time for them to be set free. So today, God, I pray that freedom will come to this room and come to the hearts and lives of folks in this room that need it today. So we trust you. We thank you, Father. Thank you for setting Peter free, putting him back together. Lord, putting him back on the right path and just say, Go, Peter. Go, Peter. Go. Let's go. Let's go. And God, you used him in incredible ways, and that's what you want to do in our lives too. So we trust you in Jesus' name.